What is up, everybody? Welcome to It's Hard. I'm so glad you're here. I am Paige Boner, host of It's Hard Podcast. And if this is your first time listening, welcome to It's Hard. I'm so grateful that you decided to join this community and listen in on whether this is your first episode or one of your first episodes. I just could not be more grateful. I started this podcast almost two years ago now, and it has truly been the best journey of my life and something I'm so grateful for. I have grown so much through the continuous conversations that I've been having with many amazing, amazing people, and I just could not be more grateful for all that I've learned thus far and just the community I've been able to build. I've met so many people through this journey. Um, and it's been so rewarding. That being said, it doesn't come without struggle. I mean, the title of my podcast is It's Hard. And yes, it is intentional with my last name being Boner. Um, but I do want to ensure that I'm being real about my life. Um, I used to get told all the time that I was so perfect and I had it all together and people just didn't know how I did it. And I was like, same. I don't know. I also don't know how I do this. I don't know how to do anything. I'm just kind of living life like you are. And so I wanted to get vulnerable about experiences and just the truth behind who we are as people and the fact that we are so imperfect and we crave connection and we want conversation and ultimately mental health is universal. It exists within all of us and We just need to be able to have more conversations about it and normalize the fact that this is a normal thing. Um, Stigmas around mental health are so real. Stigmas around therapy are so real. And I hope to help pave the way to changing that narrative and ensure that we are, you know, as a society, more accepting of one another and our, you know, roads to therapy. Um, and mental health and mental well-being and taking care of our minds as much as we take care of our bodies. So that's truly what It's Hard was centered around is my own personal struggle with anxiety and depression, but then also not feeling like I could fully talk about it. I started posting on social media with long captions and people were responding really well to everything that I had to say um, and realizing that they were also feeling that way and that they weren't alone. And I hope that this podcast allows you to feel like you aren't alone, but it also allows you to learn and grow and better understand many different perspectives because that is, you know, the hope of having pod or different guests on and different people, some people who are experts in their field, um, who do a lot of this, you know, type of work and others who are just like us and are people and they have stories and they have struggles and they want to share that too. So Welcome to It's Hard. If you've been here, um, I think in the beginning I said season two and it's definitely season three. (laughs) So thank you for sticking out with me for now three seasons, which is crazy to think about. Um, I'm so excited for this coming season. We just took a month off while I move. Um, Technically, I'm recording this before I move, but we're going to be taking a month off while I move. And by the time this releases, it'll be after my move. And I'm just so excited to share that experience with you of just getting uncomfortable and growing in that space. 
And if you want to join our community of like-minded people and values-based, you know, those that really want to share the vulnerable and hard stuff, but also have fun together and just chat and talk, um, you can join our Mighty Networks page and just drop your email in the link below in the show notes. Um, and I would love to see you there. Also follow us on Instagram at it's hard podcast, leave a rating and review and subscribe on Apple podcasts. If you're able, that's another great way for us to grow. I know a lot of podcasts say this. If you're an avid podcast listener, you're probably like, Oh my gosh, I hear this all the time. Um, it truly is a great way for podcasters to grow and reach more people. Um, and ultimately have on, you know, guests who are, you know, adding even more value, um, along the way. So as you expose yourself more, you're able to have even more people reach more people, um, and just help more people. And that's ultimately my goal. And so as ratings, reviews and and subscriptions happen, uh, we're able to be exposed to many different people and also even get to a point where we can offer different brands, um, and different things for all of you as well. So, Please do that if you feel called, if this has added value to you. Also, if this episode resonates, you want to share it with someone, there's easy ways to text this episode to people, share it that way. Also, posting on social media is a great way. We're, like I said, on Instagram at It's Hard Podcast. We're also on Twitter at It's Hard Podcast. So go give us a follow, post the episode as you listen, um, and share it with all your peeps because we're talking about important stuff today. And I'm so excited for my guest today. I got to chat with someone who's a mentor to me, someone I really, truly look up to. And her name is Lynn Casaletto. I met her through the Northwestern Mutual System. For those of you who know, I worked at Northwestern Mutual for over a year. And it was such a wonderful experience for my first job. I could not have asked for a better first job, truly. I learned so much in that process. Um, And Lynn was such a mentor to me through that. We got to have quarterly coaching calls with our team and Lynn, um, and then also quarterly calls with our office and Lynn. And it was just so cool to watch her and her element. And I knew that when I first met her, I wanted to do something along the lines of what she did, or, you know, I'd love to work for her someday, somewhere in that space, because she is of great value to me and and what I want to do long term. Um, so Lynn owns her own growth consulting company, and it's called Core Growth. And They are passionate about helping people achieve success, fulfillment, and health in their lives and relationships, and they're passionate about helping teams build trust. They believe each of us have unique gifts, and we they help understand their strength, increase self-awareness, and build emotional intelligence. And ultimately, you know, their tagline is to just help you to realize your greatness And I think that's such a beautiful thing. And so she works with many teams around, you know, the country and also um, many individuals as well to coach them to, you know, their greatness. And I think it's just so cool to watch her and, and all that she does for people just to allow them to understand that life is hard and things are hard, but you are so incredibly capable and you can definitely, you know, do all the things that you're set out to do. Um, but it does start in that self-awareness, that emotional intelligence space, understanding your strengths, understanding your weaknesses, 
how to grow in those spaces is incredibly, incredibly important. And for that, I'm so grateful for the time that she spent here with me today. Um, She and I talked a lot about emotional intelligence. I think this is such a term that's thrown around. And honestly, it's kind of interesting because it's thrown around and um, people talk about it all the time. But then I feel like sometimes you think like, what the frick does this mean? Um, And so it was really interesting to hear from her perspective, like truly what is emotional intelligence and how do we achieve that? How do we gain more emotional intelligence? It's the question I think everyone wants to know. Um, So we walk through that. We walk through what inspired her to start core growth and, you know, what that means to her. We talk about, you know, being a mom, but also understanding emotions and feelings and what that means and the strength behind vulnerability. Um, It's just, it's so, so beautiful to have talked to her. She talks a lot about understanding yourself, figuring out how to self-regulate, how do you become and have a higher EQ, which is, you know, emotional intelligence. Um, it just was so cool. And we talked about rest. This is my favorite thing that came out of this episode was the she read a book called Peak Performance. And they talk a lot in this book about importance of rest and recovery. And I know for myself that rest is so incredibly hard for me that my mind races when I rest. And it was really cool to hear from her perspective that, you know, rest is important, but also as someone like herself who is you know, of high emotional intelligence still struggles with that, that place of rest as well. In this book, Peak Performance, um, the author says it takes confidence to rest. And I heard that and I don't know about you as you're listening, but I was like, holy cow, (laughs) like that means I can do it. I'm being productive when I rest. And it's just so beautiful and eye-opening to remember that people who are even, you know, your mentors, people you look up to, like they struggle with these things too, but they have tactical skills and and things to share with you as well. And you can be that for others as well. You can add that value and share thoughts and ideas, be a thought leader and encourage others to grow in many different spaces. And that's what Lynn does for me in so many ways. Um, What I'll leave you with is something that we also touch on is the, the truth that we need to care enough to ask enough to understand enough. And Lynn and I dive into what that means and why that's important in today's episode. Thank you so much for being here and listening to the It's Hard podcast. I'm so incredibly grateful. Welcome to season three, not two. Um, And I hope that you enjoy this one. Feel free to share it with everyone, anyone, and let me know what you think via email, uh, Instagram, whatever works best for you. So I look forward to hearing from all of you soon and we will see you on the other side. Love you guys. It's Hard Podcast is edited and produced by Sather Audio. Sather Audio is ran by my dear friend, Andy Bjork. He is an incredible sound engineer. He did all the intro music to this podcast. This season has worked with me since day one on producing the best podcast possible. He edits all of my episodes, which is a complete lifesaver and time saver as I work, you know, a nine to five and do this on the side. And I just can't thank him enough for how much he does for me and how incredibly, you know, insightful and talented he is. 
He also creates his own music. You can follow him at Sather Audio on Instagram and reach out at satheraudio at gmail.com if you have any inquiries or need any sound needs, if you will. I can't recommend him enough. Tell him that I sent you and connect with him. If you're a podcaster, if you're looking for a new intro song, anything, he is for sure your guy. You can't deny that my new intro music is bomb. So reach out to Sather Audio with any of your sound needs. How are you? I'm good. What are you drinking over there? It looks delicious. Looks like a sweet tea or something. Unsweet tea. I'm drinking... Um, Tazo has, or Tazo has those like ice pour things, you know, yeah. like put them in your fridge and then you pour them. I'm drinking that. And then I put a little lemonade in it. It's so, mm. it's just like a nice, it's like refreshing. I really want, um, Tazo to sponsor me one day. So I just post yes. them on my story all the time and oh they respond God. to me. So maybe someday well, you never know. <laughs> I bet sooner than you know, they're coming. So. I'm going to reach out to them just waiting for a little bit more followers, a little bit more downloads, and then I'll feel ready to, to give them that. Cause you got to put out the content. You got to, you know, promote their product for free. And then they see how much value you see in their product and it's oh all history. So you're doing it, girl. You're doing it. Trying, we're trying, <laughs> but I'm so excited to have you on the show. Um, you have just been such an inspiration to me since I met you. Um, for the listeners to know, I met Lynn through Northwestern Mutual in, I think it was, you know, last fall, probably early last fall that we first met. So almost a year ago. And I swear ever since I met you, I was like, I want to do what that woman does, or I want to work for her. I want to do something in that realm. Um, and it made me realize that what I want to do is possible. And that is helping people and working through emotional intelligence and in mental health and that there's a space for this and that it's not just like an idea. It's actually a real thing. Um, and that was really what you made me realize when I first met you. And now here we are almost a year later and just talking on so many different levels and doing so many different things. And it's just so cool to have you as, you know, a mentor to me and someone I really look up to. And now you're going to be on the podcast and I'm so excited. So thank you for being here. Oh my gosh, Paige. I'm so excited to get to spend this time with you in your element. And yeah, it's been a journey. What an amazing year you've had. And I love that. It, it, I know for me, like with emotional intelligence and everything that you're passionate about from mental, um, mental health and, you know, just well-being in general. It's like when you learn about it or read about it or hear a podcast, it's sometimes I don't even know how to put it into words that I just know it to be true. Like yeah. it matters so much. And I think what's been so beautiful is there's such an emphasis on it now. I was even thinking about just knowing we were connecting today. I was thinking back to the first time um, I met with a therapist and it was in high school when my boyfriend in high school was two years older than me. And so he left for college. Mm. I, literally, I was like basically, basically like processing like a heartbreak just from being away. And I was so grateful that my parents had like the willingness and maybe the resources mm -hmm. to, you know, match me up with a therapist that 
I, again, that just like started my um, appreciation for being able to talk through what I was feeling. And it's amazing yeah. how, you know, years later, there's still, I just realized the importance of it so much. Right. And that people think that in order to go to therapy, you have to have something quote unquote wrong with you or, you know, and yes, in in that moment, you know, you were feeling certain things. um, But a lot of times families, parents, you know, anyone who's a guardian of of a child or younger person at that point would just be like, oh, you're fine. You're just kind of going through what people go through and you just got to get through it. But for your family to be like, why don't you go talk to a therapist and not see it as like this massive, huge thing, like such a gift. And I hope we all get to that point. I do too. I want that for everyone. Right. Cause I was thinking, I was like, how, how grateful I was now looking back, how fortunate that they didn't have a stigma, like, Oh, there's something wrong with you or, Oh, we're not going to spend that money, but that I, I want that for everyone. And whether it's a therapist or just a good friend, who's a great listener, sometimes that's just all you need. Exactly. Someone who's going to help you to better understand yourself too. And I was actually talking about that with my friend, um, last week she was, she and I were talking about therapy and she said to me, you're so lucky that your family just set you up with a therapist and, and without question, she's like, no one in my family has gone to therapy. And, she goes, I, I believe they'd, you know, be accepting of it, but still, you know, to just have that mental side of it of no one in my family has ever done this before. And they're not being the ones telling me, you know, really to go. It, it does. It is such a, a battle in your brain of, is that something I should be doing? And I'm sure so many people feel that way. Mm-hmm. Yes. <sighs> so good. But I do want to start with what you said, um, or just the phrase or the truth behind emotional intelligence. I think this is something that's becoming such a big thing and something people are aware of. I'm starting to see it on my LinkedIn even. I mean, people are posting, you know, jobs want people who are emotionally intelligent. Like, how do you get emotional intelligence? And I personally kind of understand what it means, but I don't know that people really fully can grasp the context or the the concept of emotional intelligence and what that really is. So can you define that for us and kind of give us a general idea of what emotional intelligence is? Yes. And I think back to, I mean, truly it was the catalyst for the work that I'm doing today. I would say that I, I started to learn the terminology 20 years ago and mm-hmm. Um, it started with, you, you know, this very well page, just by taking, um, an assessment that helped me hold up the mirror and gain self-awareness. So the four stages of emotional intelligence are self-awareness, self-management, social awareness, and and relationship management. And to me, I mean, in my words, I'm sure there's very, um, technical definitions of emotional intelligence, but it's understanding myself in the present moment when I'm feeling something. And when I'm, when I have emotional intelligence, I am calm and centered and I'm not getting emotionally hijacked. Mm. And I will tell you 20 years ago, I was getting like, (laughs) my emotions were managing me quite a bit. Mm. Um, I mean, from feeling in the workplace, I remember just even feeling defensive or um, stressed or burnout, or I'd get my feelings hurt because I cared so much. And I was 
just tired and run down and burning the, you know, candle at both ends. So I think it's really understanding your emotions in the moment as they're happening and being able to self-regulate so that you can keep your um, rational, you know, um, way of thinking and responding versus um, call it freaking out, flipping out, um, becoming irrational. Mm. What do you think when you hear the term? What does it mean to you when you hear emotional? It is. It's so commonplace now. Yeah. It's, it seems almost scientific to me in a way, which is kind of funny. Like just the word itself, you know, it just, it feels a little bit more like, um, yeah, in that assessment space or just like having this awareness and intelligence behind people's emotions and being able to understand it. But as you're speaking and saying those things about kind of getting emotionally hijacked, I feel myself getting that way. Um, do you think that that's something that's a practice over time? Do you think that's something, you know, through understanding yourself better and it, you know, as you grow and learn more, that you feel less emotionally hijacked or is there practices in place to start to get better at regulating yourself? Yes. And yes, (laughs) I think it's a practice. I think it's like anything. It's like good nutrition helps you, you know, feel better energetically. Um, Exercising helps you feel strong. Um, I think with emotional intelligence, I know for me, cause I still get emotionally hijacked, right. Even though I've been practicing and learning and um, teaching in this space, I have to practice. And some of the ways that um, keep me more calm and grounded, um, number one, for sure is meditation. Mm-hmm. The more consistent I am with my meditation practice, it's like, no matter what's going on around me, no matter, you know, the chaos of life, the highs, the lows, the ups, the downs, um, if I'm calm, in there, if I have inner calm, Mm -hmm. um, my family gets to experience that first and foremost, I get to experience the calm, even in tough situations. And then those around me, I think can feed off of my calmness. Mm -hmm. Um, but I'll tell you Paige, when I'm not practicing meditation or I'm not, um, getting my, you know, runs in or yoga, or if I'm eating like crap or just not getting good sleep, like, I just, my patience is shorter. Mm-hmm. I get defensive. I take things personally. I'm cranky. <laughs> like it's just, yeah. Human nature. Absolutely. I'm the same way. Like if I don't move my body in the morning, just don't talk to me the rest of the day. Because <laughs> yeah. There's just going to be no luck, Jack. You didn't try to talk to me. He's going to be like, absolutely not. You didn't do your yoga this morning. <laughs> like, Go for a run and come back. Right. Literally. <laughs> let's start. Let's start again. Mm-hmm. That's so good. And, and I think, or what I'd love to hear too, you know, for people who are trying to figure out like, how do I become more emotionally intelligent? Maybe they don't feel as though that's something that they excel in, or maybe they don't even know if that's something that they're aware of. What would you say to kind of get the ball rolling in that space? Is it something that's learned? Is it something that's kind of just naturally comes to people? What are your thoughts there? Yeah, that's such a good question. Um, yeah. So how do you learn it? right? Mm-hmm. Um, you could absolutely just take like as a baby step, you could take an assessment. Um, you could probably Google top EQ assessments, emotional intelligence assessments. Um, I know I love the book by, I think it's Travis Bradbury. 
if I'm getting his name right. I think it's EQ. It's the white and orange small one. You can take an assessment when you buy that book. I think they give you a code. Um, so it gives you a percentage score in each of those four areas. Um, obviously, the assessment that we've worked with together, the Harrison assessment was the one that I took that really um, held up the mirror for me and helped me understand how do I show up? What do I really enjoy doing? Therefore, do it more often. What do I avoid? How do I show up under stress? Um, so you could take an assessment. You could ask people who know you well, people who are championing you in life. You could ask your friends, your family, teammates, um, if you have coworkers or coaches or mentors, um, just a couple simple questions like, hey, where do you see me at my best? What would you consider, you know, to be my top strengths? Um, where do you see me, you know, maybe getting in my own way at times or making things more difficult on myself than is necessary? Um, if there was one piece of advice that you'd want to give me that you think will serve me, you know, five, 10 years from now, what do you see in me that maybe I don't see in myself? You know, just questions like that, gathering feedback could be another really good way. Uh, books, great books. One of the first ones I read was um, Working with Emotional Intelligence by Daniel Goleman. Mm. He's kind of like the pioneer. I think he's the one that's credited to kind of um, put out the term. And I remember like one of the things that stood out the most, this was about 20 years ago, he had shared some research from Harvard and said that the importance of EQ um, is just as or more important than IQ in the workplace. It was basically like the message of people pay attention to this. Um, I think generationally, sometimes like old school thinking, I think about like my parents' generation, it's like, you know, kind of like suck it up buttercup, like just toughen it out, like don't feel it, just move on. And while that can serve us in certain situations in a really, you know, helpful way, I think what I know to be true in my own life experience, and then now just some of the books, one of my favorite books is Permission to Feel by Dr. Mark Brackett. There's mm -hmm. so much research and science mm -hmm. around the benefit of processing emotions and valuing them and using them as a guidance system to help you get clear on Hey, what's, what is my body telling me? Not just my rational thinking mind, but what is the wisdom in my body guiding me to lean into, walk away from? Yeah. It's what I hear from all that too, is, is just the ability to learn and kind of get vulnerable and expose yourself a little bit of like, I just want to better understand who I am, which while doing that, you're going to be seeing the uglier parts of yourself oh, gosh, and yes. you're going to be seeing parts of yourself that are like, yeah, that's when, like you said, asking your friends, where do you see me at my best? And then where do you see me pretty much at my worst? Or like, what are ways that, you know, you know, I'm off or whatever it is. Those can be moments where you're like, oh, like I almost dislike that version of myself. However, understanding that is what allows you to grow and having that growth mindset. Would you say though, that people often are very scared to get to that point and feel really just almost debilitated by exposing themselves like that? 
Yes. And I'm so glad you gave that example. Um, I, as you're giving it, I, I'm, I'm like having a flashback to the messiness of it. Like when you know, okay, there's something I'm doing that's impact. It's not having a positive impact on me. And it's also not having an, a positive impact on the people around me. Mm-hmm. As an example, um, one behavior that I wanted to change when I first started my self-discovery process was I, I would get really defensive if someone gave feedback or questioned, or I would take it as a personal attack, almost like going back to the root of I'm not enough. I'm doing it wrong. I'm screwing up. I'm not enough. And it took me literally having to do like a physical gesture with my team whenever they'd give me feedback. Cause I would feel it. I would, I would get tight in my chest and I would, this is how I started to like lean into it. Even in the vulnerable messiness of it, I would just give myself a timeout. I would say you guys timeout. I'm like shutting down. Cause I'm all, I'm just this, all this defensiveness is coming up mm. and I would give myself permission in the moment when I was feeling it, as I was feeling it to just be bold and say, okay, I could use some help here. Can you ask me that question in a different way? Cause right now I'm like not present and I really want to work through this right now and like stick with it, even though it's awkward and uncomfortable and my face is bright red. Mm. So well, to your point, yeah being vulnerable, like you said, like the part of yourself that you don't like. Yeah. And you know, is not the strongest part of yourself, but there's so much to be said about like just sitting in that feeling and owning it. Cause it goes back to, I think what you said about, you know, older generations and being told many times, which my parents were the same way of, you know, just suck it up. Like you don't need to feel, don't cry. Like we were, I was even told as a kid, you know, don't cry. Don't cry. Like you don't need to cry. It's like, Oh my God. I can't believe we're telling kids that it's I know. that the feel is so almost like shameful. It's put out there to be so shameful, but for people to realize that they, they can cry and that it's not strong to hold in your emotions. It's strong to cry and weep and own areas of opportunity and all these things is such a powerful thing. Yes. I love that you brought that up. (laughs) I really do. I think it's so important. And I, yes. Um, I think of even just experiencing anger and sadness. One of, one of the greatest gifts I feel like uh, my parents, you know, have given me is just this, um, that optimism is a choice. Mm. And with that, it was so ingrained in me to look for the good, you know, almost like stuffing down the, if I was angry or sad and now as an adult and as a wife and a mom and a business owner and a friend and a daughter, it's like, oh my gosh, here's the whole gamut of emotions that you just can't even, you know, it's just a human experience. And I realized the value of being able to be okay, being angry and valuing it, being okay to process sadness where I know the younger version of me used to kind of avoid it and stuff it down or think it was bad. And now I have the wisdom to just appreciate it, get curious about it, create space for it and just grow through it, feel through it, learn through it and crying. Yeah. What a gift, right? Like your body wants to cry. Let her rip. 
Like, let her rip. Let them flow. Are you looking for flowers for a big event? Are you planning a wedding? Do you have a big celebration coming up? Maybe you're just looking to get a bouquet for somebody. I have a deal for you. So the Flower Girls is my mother, Jen Boner, and she is a rock star florist, mostly local to the Minnesota area. So if you're not local to the Minnesota area, she can still inquire about weddings and big events. But if you're looking for more of just a single bouquet, we'll have to be local to the Minnesota area. But she is the best in the business. I'm a little biased, but she's the best in the business. And she's here to make your wedding planning or event planning a little less hard with some flowers, beautiful flowers. And so if you're looking to plan something or you're looking for a bouquet for somebody and you're looking for a florist, we got you. Go to www.theflowergirls.net. Information will be below and inquire about, I don't know if I said that word, but inquire about flowers with Jen. And when it asks how you heard about her, state that it was It's Hard Podcast that sent you on the drop down menu. You'll get 10% off your floral services. 10% is huge. If you know how much it costs to get flowers at a wedding, that's a big discount. So if you're planning a wedding or a big event, if you just want a bouquet, go to www.flowerbowl.net. That's really hard to say. And when you inquire, say that It's Hard Podcast sent you and you receive 10% off your services. It's so important. And, and, and I want, and I think it is getting better with kids, but it's like, I want us to feel comfortable to tell people of all ages that it's okay to cry and it's okay to show up fully as yourself and feel frustrated and want to grow. And it all ties into what you were saying before of just like the willingness and ability to open yourself up and own your emotions, own your struggles, own everything is what's going to take that next step to emotional intelligence and becoming more intelligent with your emotions and others' emotions. But it's also a practice, like you said, you know, it doesn't happen overnight. I know like we've talked about EQ a lot and I've always thought I have a high EQ, but there are times, like I said, where I feel that that sense of defensiveness and that sense of I'm not at my best or I'm feeling really, you know, dominated by these feelings. And my last question on this, I think would say in those moments that you're feeling that way, um, because I would assume, and correct me if I'm wrong, that maybe you still have moments like that, even with your high EQ that you have, is it going back to the way that you regulate yourself? Are there things in the moment that work to kind of continue that practice if you feel like there's a week straight of just kind of getting overwhelmed by things like what's a great way to just kind of recenter yourself in that that's so good um two ideas popped into my thoughts right away um one is self-reflection um and the other is being curious and asking questions in the moment so Um, my team and I, we do this, we call it the weekly head and heart check. And it's just like, I don't know, maybe eight questions at the end of the week that we just go through. It's like all different categories of uh, what's been the biggest blessing to you this week? What's been the toughest part of this week? What good could come from this? What did you learn? Um, 
stuff like that. And always there's such awareness that I gain in when I sit down and just answer those questions, just the practice of actually looking back. How did I feel? What did I learn? What did I notice? Um, so self-reflection, journaling, there's so much science. Again, I always knew journaling whenever I would have the opportunity to do it or be challenged or tasked to do it, how good it felt after I did it. And now I get one of the books that I have loved reading by Susan David called Emotional Agility. She ties all this science to it literally um, decreases anxiety and depression because as we journal and write the thoughts on paper, we have the separation from our thoughts and we recognize we are not our thoughts. We are separate from our thoughts. Um, so that alone, self-reflection. And then the other piece was getting curious. So in the moment, right? Like you could do, give yourself a timeout, just be vulnerable, say, I need help. I'm struggling here. Um, but say it's with a new person or you, you don't, you're not, you don't feel that comfortable or brave. And you're just like, Oh gosh, how do I self-regulate everything I'm feeling right now? Simple questions. Like, can you tell me a little bit more about that? Mm. Um, can you help me understand or give me an example of that? So I find if I'm starting to feel stressed on the inside, I, number one, I know it's because I'm making it mean something. I'm probably building up a story or I'm starting to think thoughts that are stressing me out, making me freak out. So it's like deep, some deep breaths and asking a question so that, um, you know, that saying we need to care enough to ask enough to understand enough. Mm. It's almost like I'm probably not understanding something. If I'm getting so like agitated, irritated, nervous, just, it's almost like my inner voice is saying, Lynn, just be curious, just, just, be you, be curious, learn more, understand enough, ask more questions. I don't know what it is, but sometimes just magic happens in asking more questions. It almost like de-escalates how I'm feeling on the inside because I'm not jumping to conclusions. I'm actually getting like what they really mean. Right. Because so many times, you know, it, whether you're taking something personally or there's conflict or you're just confused and, and feeling overwhelmed by, you know, that not enoughness, right. Of like, I can't figure this out. And I don't know why that other person involved, you know, nine times out of 10 is, is likely not trying to make you feel that way. Right. You know, they have no, no excitement in, in trying to work you up and make you feel like that. Um, and so like you're saying to, to care enough, to ask enough so that you understand, seeking to understand, like we always talk about, right? That's when you get to the root and not only are you making someone else feel heard, but you're also allowing yourself to relax and know that you are understanding better and ultimately then making yourself feel better. Well said. Yes. <laughs> And that's kind of going into also what I wanted to say or ask you about too is with core growth, your, your company and how you have this passion to, you know, allow others to feel heard and understand and realize their greatness. 
what really inspired you? And I know we touched on this, the Harrison assessment, you know, when you took that at Northwestern, right? You took that, mm-hmm. yeah. um, that really inspiring that, but I'd love to hear your journey, you know, through working at Northwestern and taking that, but then also ultimately getting to this point of running core growth and wanting to help people with this. Yeah. Thank you for asking. It's so interesting. You know how, um, you know, that saying that we teach that which we most need to learn and understand. It's almost like your personal journey sometimes just is like a compass. I, I really think it started with how deeply I was, um, just feeling things at such a deep level (laughs) inside. It's like that my inner world was, um, I mean, fill in the blank, amazing, beautiful, confusing, (laughs) frustrating. And so because I went through that process at a young age um, and the taking the assessment was the catalyst for helping me better understand myself, um, I then wanted to pay it forward and I wanted everybody to have that. And so I was with a an incredible leadership team and they saw it. They saw the light in me. They saw that natural, just pure, like mission driven. It was almost like you just like, it was such a gift for them to say, Lynn, follow that. Mm -hmm. And so I got to do that in-house for almost five years with my team in New York city, um, one-on-one in a coaching capacity. And then they, we started to discover that we could do these team graphs. And so I got to do team consults, which was really impactful because as you're integrating new team members to maybe an already existing really tight partnership, we just saw, oh my gosh, we can integrate this person faster. We can get ahead of issues or conflict faster if we can have really courageous conversations up front. So I got to do that in-house and I just got to play and experiment. And then I got to the point where it was just that that larger calling that just kept getting louder and louder. And I said, okay, I think I'm going to go build a business and do this um, in a bigger way. And so that was 16 years ago. And I, I sometimes, you know, I even think about a leadership team I got to work with today. It was an hour and we sat there and I know this, this platform, this work creates conversations that wouldn't happen otherwise, unless you're deliberate about saying, you know what? No matter what we have going on right now in our world, in our organization, we are going to slow down. We are going to pause. We're going to work on our relationship. We're going to work on our communication. We're going to get to know each other in a brave, vulnerable way. And the closer we get as a team, the the further, the faster we can go together. So yeah, it's just kind of evolved. It was just a seed that was planted, I think, because of my personal experience. And then again, um, we are where we are because of where we are. And I was with a really incredible leadership team who just kept feeding my passion and allowed me to kind of flourish. And then I got to go do that. And I think when you add value, it just catches like wildfire, which is what you're doing with this podcast, sister. (laughs) Thank you. You're welcome. It's, it's so true. And I think about our sessions with our team with you as well. And it's funny. Some of my teammates will be like, I cry every single time Lynn comes, which is like a good thing for those listening. It's not a bad thing. (laughs) We like to cry. Um, and we, you know, have those conversations that like you said, we wouldn't normally have. And I think there's even power. I'd love to hear your thoughts on this as well. Like 
I think there's even power in not even just the questions that you ask. It's how you say it, how you present it. Also, just knowing that you're going to be with us is like another feeling when you enter the call, right? Like tomorrow we're with you. And it's like you just know that when Lynn's coming, it's like we're going to be talking. We're going to be getting closer. Like we're going to have this hour to just like kind of break down the barriers. Whereas the the contrast of that is if you try to sort of implement that and maybe you can speak on your experience with your team and like your head and heart conversations. But when you try to implement that on more of like a weekly basis, I don't know how as effective it is with just the intentionality behind it um, rather than just dedicating an entire hour to solely just that, if that makes sense. I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. Yeah. If I'm hearing you correctly, I, it's hard. It's, it's, it's almost, it's, it's right. It takes discipline to slow down and not think about the million things you need to do or could be doing, but to actually sit with yourself and listen intently. Um, right. A lot of the work that we've done together when we're on team sessions, like it's listening and yeah, caring. And there's allowing space for people to process what they're feeling. And yeah, maybe the cadence of like a weekly, yeah. Like, would it fit? Like, could you, would it be healthy to do that on a weekly basis versus monthly? Or, I mean, I don't know if that was your question or if I'm answering it correctly. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's about, yeah, I guess that kind of cadence behind it, which I mean, I feel like our sessions always seem to come at like a perfect time. We always say this, right? Like the timing is always perfect. And of course, you know, we don't have you then for a few weeks. We're like, Oh, we want Lynn, you know, and, and we love that. Um, but it is like, there's something about the container that we enter in that moment. And maybe you've experienced this with many of the teams that you've worked with through your career and even just individuals, but it's almost like this container that you enter that allows you to block out the rest of the things that you need to worry about. Because a lot of times like, yeah, you have sessions, but there is still like, I'll check the email really quickly or whatever. But like when we get into these moments um, where we have these sessions, it's, it's such this, entrance of, okay, this is our time and we need to dedicate this and be really intentional here. Do you find that to be consistent or or fairly common along many of the teams that you work with? I love your question, Paige. I feel like I'm totally tracking with you now. And as you were sharing that, the the word that keeps popping into, it's like being fully present, Mm -hmm. right? Giving yourself permission to be fully present And I, it's my belief that that is the greatest gift you could give another human being, right? Like right now, you and I, other than your sweet dog who just, you know, (laughs) nuzzles over every now and then, like we're just all in right now and on our team sessions, I mean, because you happen to work with a group of incredible people and I would say like attracts like, so core growth has been really blessed to work with people. I would say that value, similar values that I do, which is to be fully present. Um, And 
yeah, there, I think when you show up for yourself and you allow yourself to go at a slower pace, to um, talk about things that otherwise maybe you wouldn't create space for. Yeah. It's like a discipline. I, I feel like it's, it's interesting. I'm almost, I'm having this realization in this very moment. It's like allowing me to put into words. Um, I have sometimes, I have sometimes people say, Lynn, I'm, I don't even like our coaching sessions. Like it's not my favorite thing to do. It's I'm being honest and being transparent, but I will tell you, I know I need it. And every time we're done, I'm like, gosh, like I needed that. Like, I think it's so hard for people who are high achievers to slow down and process what they're feeling, what they're thinking, creating the next right step, you know, cause we just want to go, we just want to go create things. We want to go achieve things. And the process of coaching or the process of team building requires us to, you know, slow down a little bit and be present with ourselves and those around us. Oh, that's so good. Cause it is so hard, like to just allow yourself that space of like, today we're not in a rush. We are where we are and that's the best that we can do that is, is truly, you know, the most important thing. And as you said that, you know, people sharing with you, like, Lynn, I don't even really like it. You know, things. it reminds me of journaling, like you were saying, where in the moment, it, it just feels like a task sometimes, right? Like it just feels like a little bit of a chore, but you get done and you're like, oh my gosh, like, why do I not do that every day? And back to like sessions with you, it's like, we'll journal all together on our teams and, it's like, why don't I do this every day? And I think I've said that before to the group. It's like, I need to do this all the time. You know, it's so important that even those things, and I truly believe that when you're uncomfortable, you're growing and coaching probably feels really uncomfortable for some people, which makes sense. Just like therapy sometimes feels uncomfortable and journaling and slowing down feels uncomfortable. But I feel like that means that you need it more than you think you do. Would you agree? so good. Yes. It's like, if it's uncomfortable, you're on the right path. Mm -hmm. Which is so hard to you ever like think about. I'm like, am I going to be uncomfortable for the rest of my life? No. Can I just have a warm blanket and like a bowl of like just any kind of pasta and just be so cozy by a fire for a little bit? <laughs> I'm telling you though, I think there's like a beautiful balance. Like I know, like I need the comfort too. Like I need, I need both. I, uh, you know, if you're always outside your comfort zone, at least in my experience, um, I find myself like, yeah, there has to be both. There has to be comfort and courage. Are you enjoying this episode so far? If so, please take the time to rate and leave a written review on Apple Podcasts. You also can press the follow button on Spotify and ask for notifications every time a new episode comes out. This is the best way for us to grow and reach as many people as possible as we start to talk more vulnerably about mental health and things that are relatable to all of us. Also, you can take the time to share this episode with a friend via text message or on social media to also grow the awareness and make sure that people understand that they're not alone. Thank you so much for listening to It's Hard. Let's get back to the episode. Yeah. I love that. On that note though, like for someone like myself, 
who is a high achiever. Um, just a little bit. Um, just a tad. <laughs> um, I, I feel like I picture myself with that like bowl of pasta next to the fire with a warm blanket and like physically I'm chilling, right? Mm-hmm. Mentally, I'm not chilling at all. And I don't know if, if ever, if anyone else feels this way, I'm sure there's many people that feel that way of like, I'm thinking about all the million billion things I could be doing for it's hard since I don't have, you know, eight hours in the day to work on it after hours after work is my time to do that. Mm -hmm. Um, and other things that I'm passionate about, right. What it would be, and I don't expect you to have the answer for this, but maybe you have tactics like to allow yourself that space to just rest. Like what are good ways to just get your brain regulated in the sense of like, I am here and I am now, and I don't need to worry about anything else. This is something I need. I'm asking for a friend, you know, not asking for myself or anything. (laughs) Seriously. I'm like, that is the million dollar question, right? It is. So I feel like it's what we're all learn, trying to learn, striving to learn. Um, And I love that you asked it. And I will share with you that probably in the last two to three years, I am starting to get better at it and understand it in a new way. Um, A dear friend, I think you've met Sandra Kampoff. Um, She introduced me to, I forget their names, Brad, I'm going to botch them. Anyway, the name of the book is called Peak Performance. This book helped me understand at a new level the the importance of rest. They give the example um, of athletes, how important recovery, rest and recovery is to their, you know, best performances. And the phrase that I heard that helped me really change my thinking about rest uh, was it takes confidence to rest. Mm. It's as weird as it sounds. It, it ignited in me the um, achiever competitor. I was like, <laughs> when I heard it takes confidence to rest, I was like, oh, so when I'm not resting, I'm being kind of insecure. Oh, I'm like going to scarcity. Cause that, that was, that's, that was true for me. I was being lazy. If I was resting, I was being like, I'm productive. That's how and I'm- like, yeah. And if I rest, oh no, my business is going to fall apart. If I rest, if I don't work out, if I don't, whatever, pick up the house, especially after kids come, it's like, oh my gosh, there's so much there's, you could be cleaning your house forever. <laughs> I just, it was like a light switch. Something switched to me and I was, I got it. I was like, oh, by me feeling really confident in who I am and what I'm creating and that it is the journey. It's not a destination. I am going to try this thought on for a while. Mm-hmm. And I will tell you when, like the whole concept of force versus flow, I know, I know when my, um, I want to say like in, in business or in like training for a marathon, like when I'm just like all in, like just blinders on, you know, when you're going for something, like it's a bit more of that force. It all, it has been for me. It's like, I'm very committed to this. I'm doing this no matter what kind of just step aside. Cause I, I was so focused and now I'm learning to do things more in flow. Um, 
and it's like the universe just keeps giving me um like proof that i i can create more i can become more um but i don't necessarily need to be doing more again i hear myself say that i'm like how could that be true but i'm learning it i'm i'm learning it in this season of life that by resting more being more playful um not being as forceful like allowing more intentionally putting myself in more flow states whether it be meditating journaling resting um for me running is a flow state so sometimes it's like a luxury when i get to go for a run because i enjoy it so much it's like church for me it's like i can just be quiet i can hear the birds it's nature i feel like i'm getting you know messages just guidance um the more i create that in my life it feels like the more abundance just keeps flowing so when you say that kind of force versus flow in a typical day you know what does that look like i know you said running and journaling and all those things it's something that you do the same thing every day or just kind of allow your body to understand what feels right you know what does that look like on a day-to-day basis being in that more flow state mhm Um I think it starts with your thinking. I know for me it does. Um I would used to have this thought of I have to do this 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 like and just build up this story and I I would feel stress in my body. And I mean the same exact thing like yes, I want to reach out to um three referrals that I got this week. But it's it's almost like just like my thinking is um I can't wait to reach out to them on Thursday. I have the time scheduled and it's going to be great versus like oh my gosh when am I going to get to that oh my gosh how am I going to do that when am I going to do that this week is crazy this is fact it's it almost I know it starts with my thinking um another example could be uh I used to just work from back in New York it was like 7am to 6 p.m. I wouldn't even take a lunch. It was I was just like gr- like truly like grinding, you know? And I know especially for anybody who's building something passionate about something starting out, starting a business, it's like sometimes it it's that's required. Um and I think the more life experience and business experience I get, I challenge myself to be more effective and focus on doing the things that matter most. Um in a shorter period of period of time. Yeah. I love that. I think that's the biggest thing is like yes, we all want to be in that that state of flow or that, you know, grind like doing the grind is such a cool thing these days, you know. And especially with like young entrepreneurs and all these people who want to start things, but remembering that you can't get super far if you're burning yourself out constantly and you're not allowing yourself that space like it is important to do other things and especially i would say in my you know the realm i want to be in like i need to practice what i preach you know i want people to be mentally well mentally healthy so that might you know entail going out for a walk maybe i think of ideas while i'm on a walk and that's great yes. right like yeah. allowing that to be part of it 
but also knowing the importance of rest. And I love, I love, love, love that it takes confidence to rest. Like I feel the same thing triggered inside of me of like, Oh, okay. Then when I rest, I'm doing a good thing. I'm yes. <laughs> I can be great at rest. I'm going to be, I'm going to be so good at resting. <laughs> I know it's so silly, but it's such a gift. It's like, I can be the best rester there ever was. Totally. <laughs> oh, so good at meditating. I'm going to be meditating. <laughs> so silly, but Hey, whatever it takes, whatever it takes. Sister. That's all. That's all it needs to be. No, I love that. Thank you so much for, for all that. Cause I was like taking notes. I'm like, that is something I personally need to hear. And I'm sure a lot of people out there feel the same way of even just getting back into this, you know, working in the office to, from working from home and just these different, you know, avenues that we're going down and trying to figure out the next steps in your career and transitions in your life. And how do you just start to balance things and ensure that you're taking care of yourself while still implementing everything else that you want to in your life. Um, that's so, so, so important. I wanted to ask you, um, before my last question for you is something around being a mom and as, as your kids are growing up and you're starting to experience these things with your kids that maybe you're seeing within your clients, whether it's emotions and feelings and, and working through things that they're experiencing as human beings, what is that like, you know, for someone like yourself who is so emotionally aware, um, what is that like to, to watch them go through that? And, and what are some things that you're able to help them with? If anything, you know, if anything in that space, thank you for asking Paige. I will tell you, um, it has been such a gift. I, again, I feel like they are our greatest teachers. I bet your parents would say that too, about you, they teach. I learned so much from them, their innocence, their purity, their like just curiosity. They're just boldness. Um, I am learning just even just their level of vulnerability. We just moved, um, we moved homes. And so we're like in boxes and it, you know, for anybody who's just gone through that or is about to go through that moving is exhausting. Like there is just a process to it. There's no getting around it. You, I can tell myself the best story in the world. It's going to be great. It's exhausting. At least it has been for me. I've moved many times and, um, I've just been cranky. I've been tired. I've been cranky. And I was like the other night, our nine-year-old Reed, I was just, I was, so, I was just a grouch to him. I was like short. He was trying to ask me something in his sweet voice. And I was like trying to get something done for baseball camp. And I was like mean to him. And he came over no matter how, I was being mean to him. And he came over didn't say anything and just hugged me, just put his arms around me. And I was just like, buddy, you have no idea how much I needed that. Thank you. It was like, he wasn't afraid of my meanness or my like attitude or crankiness. He just knew I needed a hug. Like it was the most precious thing. Um, one thing that I'm learning, it was one of my greatest lessons as a mom. When we moved from New Jersey to California four years ago, I was telling myself this story. I need to be um, kind of brave for Reed and Ty, our two boys, and not let them see how sad I was to be away from my parents. 
because that we were really, we're really close with them. And they spent a lot of time with Reed and Ty when they were so young. And I was, I was telling Reed and Ty this story, like, it's going to be great. We're going to see them at Christmas. We're going to see them over the summer. And I wasn't allowing them to see how sad I was. Um, and I had a good friend um, who we were in a coach program, program together, coaching program. And she said to me, she said, Lynn, please, please. She said, I will tell you when I was younger and my mom got divorced, she was acting like you're acting. She was just trying to make everything fine. She was fine. She didn't show her sadness. She didn't show any, any anger or vulnerability or anything. And I felt so alone as a kid. She said, please let Reed and Ty know how sad you are. She goes, it will help them feel comforted. It will help them feel um, supported, not alone. Like what they're feeling is healthy and normal. It was such a gift. And so that night I went home and I allowed myself to cry with them. And I told them, you guys, I'm so sorry. I was trying to be brave. I miss Mammy and Poppy just as much as you do. And it's really hard being away from them. And like, it's moments like that where I don't, where I realize I can recognize it's not my job to like protect them from feeling like they're meant to feel every emotion, right? Like that's part of life. And what a gift that they can experience all of them, all the emotions, because they will as adults too. So the more comfortable they get and understanding it's okay to feel it when you're feeling it and just to be curious and what else could this mean? And how could this be guiding you asking questions like that to them? It's just changing. And especially because they're boys, right? So there's this, oh, boys don't cry, which again, that's a bunch of BS because boys do cry and they need to cry. Men need to cry. We all need to cry. It's a cleansing, beautiful process our bodies need to release. And just even having that like awareness for them um, and just holding them when they cry and say, it's okay. You know, when you're ready to talk, we can talk, but just, yeah, get it out, let it flow. And I know people say like, there's no crying in baseball. And I get that. And I'm sure at a certain age it stops and then they can understand, okay, you can't let them see a sweat. You got to keep your cool, but you know, they're nine and seven. And I'm like, okay, they just, they're, they're still little, but oh. they'll get there. I'm sure. Oh, that's such a, such a gift that you're giving them to just allow them that space of, because I believe that not only does that allow them to know that they can feel emotions, but it also allows them to understand how to hold space for others' emotions. And that's such a cool thing. And a lot of people don't have that, that gift and that practice of knowing how to allow others to feel. Yes. You're showing them this is how you can feel. And then they know how to allow others to feel too. Paige, when you say that, it makes me think of when I first started dating Craig, my husband now. Mm -hmm. And I remember the first time I just lost it. I cried. I was so emotional. And I was like, oh my gosh. I was like, you're probably so like scared of me right now. And he's like, Lynn, he's like, wait till you meet my mom and my sister. He's like, this is nothing. It was like he, I, it was like just one of those moments I will remember forever that I just could cry and be snot running down my nose and so upset and just be me, true, raw, everything. And he was just like, he just held that space for me. And you're right. Like they're, they're going to get to hold that space for people. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. They'll do a beautiful job at it too. So they're so lucky. Um, my last question for you is, 
is centered around just like kind of tying in the mental health aspect and also the future or just, you know, the vision for core growth. And how do you think that, you know, mental health ties into what you do? And then on top of that, like, who do you think out there, you know, really is underserved in this space of like better understanding themselves? Maybe it's age groups or, you know, genders or whoever it may be. Um, but like, who are people that maybe do need to start to be able to understand themselves better, have access to things like that and conversations like this. And then also on top of that, like I said, how does all of the work that you're doing really tie into the mental health aspect of, of life? Yeah. So beautiful. I love the questions. Um, I want to answer the mental health first because I experience it right when I'm getting coached or when I journal or um, do self-reflection, when I can process my emotions and I have a better understanding of myself, I have better decision-making. My attention capacity goes up. I'm more productive. It, when I can process my emotions, it completely impacts my mental well-being. Um, so there's, a direct line, I think, to emotional health and mental health, in my opinion, or in my experience, I should say. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, well, I've heard myself say this for many years now. I've shared this with you, Paige, that um, the work that I get to do, we get to do with adults, you know, in um, the working world, you know, whether you're in your 20s, your 60s. I see the impact that it has on them personally, professionally, how they grow at work, then how they go bring that new awareness back to their relationships or families. And I always have this thought that I think over time, there's going to be a part of our business that our clients will get younger and younger because I've said this many times. I first got to take that assessment when I was 25. I was like, could you imagine if I was able to take this when I was 17 or 16 in high school? And I know you've had that same, like, ah, or college, Lynn, (laughs) seriously. And I think just in college in general, or in that transition, even from high school to college or even college into, you know, post-college real world, whatever that is, um, there's so much there's just so many emotions and questions and uncertainty and beautiful things that you grow through during that phase and that season of life from like 16 to, you know, 23, 24. And I, I know that we're going to impact that group, um, in a really beautiful, big way. Um, we're doing a pilot right now. Um, and we're just gathering information so that we can serve that I would say those two groups, I kind of feel like a high school and college um, group in a really meaningful way. Yeah. I'm excited for that. <laughs> it's going to be real good. And yeah. how cool. Could you imagine then they like picturing them in their thirties, forties, fifties, sixties, seventies, eighties with emotional intelligence and the impact that will have on the workplace, families, relationships, mental health, emotional health physical health. So important. And like, it's a ripple effect that 
when they have that awareness at a younger age, they're more likely to treat those around them with respect and with kindness and self-awareness, and then ultimately making the world a better place through that. And I'm even seeing that with our interns at Northwestern taking the assessments and us walking through it with them. Um, it's, it's insane. It's, it's wild for them to understand like, oh yeah, like this is how I'm feeling right now. That must mean I'm stressed out because I'm acting like this. And it's like, oh my gosh, you actually listen to us. And like, you look at the assessment, like that's so cool. Um, and they're just naturally going to carry that through the rest of their, their lives and their relationships. And I can only hope that these students who are in college are in a better and high school as well, like in a better mental space, especially with all of the things that they're exposed to at their fingertips. Um, and then ultimately treating other people with respect, because I know so many people go through many things in their lives, but especially in college of, and high school of bullying and, and, you know, negative things and, you know, whether it be disrespect, assault, abuse, I mean, there's just all this stuff. And so for you and, and people to be able to offer that gift of emotional awareness and intelligence is something that could truly just change the trajectory of, of so many people's lives, honestly. So I'm real passionate about it. (laughs) I know. And I love that you're impacting the people that you are in the way that you are in work, you know, with your role at Northwestern right now. Now through the podcast, you are really providing a gift that's going to keep on giving. Thank you. You're welcome. I appreciate you. you. Well, this has been so good. I appreciate you doing this with me and being on the show. Um, I truly feel like myself in October is like giddy because when I first met you, I was like, I just love this woman. She's so great. So thank you for being here and, and just bringing so much value to my listeners, um, in this community and for being such a great mentor to me. I just, I appreciate you so much. So thank you. Thank you. Your future is so bright. You're going to help so many people just keep shining your light girl. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. I had so much fun. This is a blast. You were so good. It was so good. Thank you. I had butterflies. I was like, I did, did, was I supposed to prepare? <laughs> I was nervous. I always get, I just was like, I wanted to just provide value. And I, then I was like, you know what? I've listened to your, you just have such a beautiful way of asking questions and your fluidity is amazing. Oh, thank really, you. really in the right spot. Thank you. Cause I, I get butterflies too. Like every, before every episode, I'm like, I got to show up to <laughs> I'm like, I bring it every time. But then I, when you were saying like that idea of just like being so present, it's like, mm-hmm. I feel in my flow when I'm in this state and like, I forget that until I get back into it. And it's like, you know, of course I love my job and, and I love what I'm doing. But like when I work from home, I just feel a lot more tired because I'm not getting the energy from the people around me. Right. Yes. And then I feel like I get into this and I'm just like, energetic afterwards. I'm like, this is the best thing ever, you know? So it's how you know that you're in the right space for sure. But no, you added so much value. And I even feel like it's so helpful to have questions that I'm just genuinely curious about too, of like, oh, I just want to know this. Like, what is, or what are your thoughts on this? Like, I'm just curious. And that's where I think the most value comes from, if that makes sense. hundred percent. Yes. So good. 
Well, thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you. I'll see you tomorrow. I'll see you tomorrow. I know. Yeah. <laughs> Two days in a row. <laughs> thank you, Paige. Thank you. Have a good night. You too. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much, Lynn, for all your beautiful insights, your kind heart, your warmth, and just all that you add to the world and and so many people that you serve. It's so incredibly inspiring for someone like myself, and you know how much you inspire me. And I know that, you know, after today, you inspired so many others as well. So please... Um, again, share this episode with those that you know. Let us know what you think and leave a rating, review, subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Follow on Instagram and Twitter at It's Hard Podcast. And we will see you next week for another episode of It's Hard.